Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Real Estate Strategies Podcast, where we host in depth conversations on everything real estate with the industry's biggest movers and shakers. I'm your host, Ken McElroy, joined by my co host, Daniil. Let's get right into this episode. Welcome to the Ken McElroy Show. I'm your host, Daniil, here with Ken. What's going on? So today we're going to jump right into the topic and we're going to talk about some red flags uh, when you guys are doing home inspections. And we think this is a really good topic because a lot of you are buying homes right now or have recently bought homes and there's things that you want to look for um, during that inspection period that's very important that some people kind of glaze over. Yeah, not just glaze, but if you try to buy a house the last two years, you probably didn't pay attention to any of these because the uh, sellers kind of had you over a barrel. Yeah, well, and two is, you know, I remember when I got my first inspection and um, I had never had one before and I'm in Arizona and there was termites. And I remember being like, that's it. Like, I can't buy this place. That's termites. Like, you know, and I was freaking out. But then come to find out termites are super common in Arizona and about half my properties upon inspection had had them. Um, so it was just kind of interesting, you know, for people that don't have anyone to ask, like, is this a big deal or not? Because your realtor a lot of times might say, no, it's not a big deal because they want you to buy the property. Well, let's, so let's, who do you turn to? Yeah, let, let's put this in perspective. First of all, both realtors yours and theirs, do not want a thorough home inspection. Correct. I think this is an important topic because, you know, either one has something to lose. So what you uh, you want is you want a very thorough home inspection. I remember I had one and he was drilling through everything. It drove the seller nuts, but he found so much stuff and it drove my realtor nuts. You, you know, and that's what you want. I mean, he went up into the attic and he went up on the roof and you know, he had, it was super thorough. It was great. And uh, the industry wants this to be just a box that's checked, but you guys are stepping into the shoes of the seller and you're going to have all the expenses and all the CapEx issues you know, if, if it's not figured out beforehand. This is a very important topic. Yeah, and that's a really great thing to point out. You know, um, on one of my properties I bought, my home inspector said this roof is needs replaced. And, you know, they had already had another home inspection from somebody else where the financing fell through. And they're like, well, no, no, no. The last home inspector said the roof was fine. And I'm like, well, my home inspector said it needs replaced. And the thing is, is once that's on there, the seller has to disclose that to the next buyer. So they can't say, oh, your home inspector was too thorough. I don't believe him. We're just going to move on to somebody else because now they have to disclose that. So 
of course, you know, they credited me to fix the roof, right? So these are really important. It's quite things. a bit of money, if I remember. It was like four or five grand. Yeah, it was like yeah, five thousand dollars, I think, because um, it was kind of a patio home. That's not a small number Mm-mm. for just a second opinion. Right. Exactly. And so you definitely want to get that home inspector, and he was a little bit more expensive than your average home inspector, but he's just really thorough. And you never really want to use your realtor's home inspector unless you really trust them. If you really, really, really trust them, um, you know, maybe they're giving you some good advice. But a lot of times it's just convenient. And as Ken said, it's a box to check. They don't they're not going to keep referring a home inspector that keeps causing them problems because I might have said I don't want a home with a bad roof or the seller might have said we're not going to fix it. And then we walk away and the realtor doesn't make any money. So they don't really want that. They want someone that's like, this place is great. But not all realtors do this, uh, just to be clear. I, I mean, we we definitely have had realtors, they're realtors that are definitely in our court. And they, they're trying to find as much as they can for you because they also know that's a part of good customer service. Correct. So, so you it, just got to Yeah, not everyone's in this box, uh, mm-hmm. right? And so... But just be just know that a good, thorough home inspector is going to disrupt the sale. Yes. That's what they're supposed to do. Because they're going to find some things. Right. So let's start with number one on things um, on a home inspection you need to watch out for. So number, the first thing is foundation issues. So this is a big one. I know. We, we've, we have, there's all kinds of problems with foundations. There's, you know, one of them is that we've run into a lot is called expansive soil. So this is not probably the best analogy, but think of something that's built on quicksand. Now, obviously it's not quicksand, but expansive soil is typically they test the soil first, but foundations and create problems. All your electrical and plumbing and all that stuff are inside of foundations. So this is a big one. Yeah. And it's also, it can be hard to get financing if you have foundation issues. And even if they're fixed, they can creep back up. Yeah, yeah, we've we've bought properties that have uh, some. In other words, we uh, we bought one big property in Austin, and the there was a drainage problem for the the. It was a lot of slope in the property, and all the water would go down, and it would kind of it was it was creating issues around drainage. We knew this beforehand, so we fixed that. But then what happened was that drainage also created problems with the soil. Of, for erosion and then which also created foundation problems. So, and then I had another one in, um, in Oregon where there was a flood that came up on the river and it eroded the, the, the bank and it, and it broke the building in half, like wow. in half, like you, I, I actually looked at the building. No, no joke. It had, uh, like this, uh, vinyl or no, it was like metal siding and it had a strip right up the middle. The literally, because half the building was on a solid foundation and half of it wasn't, and it broke. Not obviously not completely, but it broke. So they tried to repair it. We caught it during due diligence. So these are big deals. Yeah, they can be. And um, you know, it's funny. I was kind of looking on YouTube, and there's some realtor videos. Oh, foundation issues really aren't that big of a deal. They're easily fixed. You know, yada yada yada. But and sometimes they can be. But you really have to understand what's wrong, and you really have to have a company to be able to tell you if they can fix it or if it's just a Band-Aid. Yeah, and, and to be honest, they can be fixed. You know, the foundation itself is concrete. That can be fixed. What can't be fixed potentially is what it sits on. And that's the bigger issue. What does it sit on? Right? You know, how are you going to fix that? 
Like what's making the foundation? Yeah, in the first like place? Uh, they they put these big footings in, obviously, and those kinds of things. The issue is not what the house sits on. It's not the concrete that it sits on. It's what's underneath it that actually makes the concrete break. So it's a big deal. Yep. So number two is any kind of previous flood is a red flag uh, on a home inspection. It can be. And this can be from a lake, from a river, or it can be just from a very poor drainage like I just talked about. So it's not always a bad thing, but think of foundation problems, erosion problems, but also think of mold. So we've had... We're going to get to that. Oh, okay, yeah. but the, you, what, oh, what, I, I can't pass up mold because it needs water and we're talking about floods. True. So would you rather me stop and then move on or would you want to talk oh, about potential? Okay, good. So, uh, so when there's water penetration from a flood, then of course it can turn into mold, which can turn into health problems. So you know, these are all potential things. And, and these, uh, when you're buying something, it's like the, it's in a hundred year floodplain or 150 year floodplain. You typically have insurance and all that stuff, but you also got to take a look at your insurance because we've had situations where the, the flood piece isn't covered. So, right. you know, we've even had a situation where we had, um, a storm sewer that from a storm, um, you can imagine trees fell down and all that and plug up the storm sewer, which was the drainage. And then that rose just like plugging up your bathtub. And then that flooded all the ground floor units. So there's this, this, this flood thing is real, especially if it's not remediated and solved. Yeah. My father has a huge fear of water. So he always says if a house has water problems in the past, they'll have them in the future. But, uh, but also um, it's kind of funny because my parents, when they moved in, it was like a newer development and the city had made all the drainage go kind of downstream. Well, um, their neighborhood kind of sits kind of lower down. Yeah. Well, it flooded the whole entire neighborhood. My parents sit higher. So they got lucky because they had some space. But uh, but the house across the street is right off of the drainage um, retention pond. Yeah. And it flooded and now it's flooded three times since then. And it has flooded with three different new owners. Yeah. And so it's uh, and when I say flood, I mean, first floor underwater. So, I mean, that's pretty serious flooding. It is. Yeah. Yeah. We, we had a property in Houston that we bought, actually, um, where the if you guys remember a hurricane, one of the hurricanes, I think it was Hurricane Ike. Um, it broke the levee, broke, uh, which was holding back this whole area in Katy, Texas. And uh, they actually released it because they thought that the levee was going to break. So it flooded like this, uh, the square miles of all these places. So these are big deals. You remember, uh, I think Trump's famous comment of, you know, just, just uh, New Orleans is, uh, which was also Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. New Orleans is also built inside of a levee, if I, if I recall. So in other words, all those floodwaters are held back as a result of, and when there's something like that, and, you know, Florida's another one. So, you know, these turn into massive insurance problems too. Now, this is why a lot of people won't buy in Florida right now because the insurance cost to put insurance on there is so high because um, insurance companies have, have paid so much money for basically uh, flood. This is, this is bigger than fire, bigger than wind, you know, which is tornado or whatever, or even hail. Uh, the flood floods are flood is a real, real significant problem. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, the next one that's coming up is mold and water stains. So you had mentioned mold briefly, but water stains is also a big red flag in a property. It can be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we've had, you know, obviously mold can't grow without water, period. So it can come from drainage. It can come from a flood like we just talked about. It can also come from interior uh, plumbing. So I had, a, I had a situation in Las Vegas where we had shower valves that were installed. They're brand new, but when they were off, they leaked inside of the wall. So brand new place, and it was they were leaking inside of the wall, uh, which created mold inside of the wall. Um, so when you'd go in a unit, you'd see the mold. You could visibly see it, but not not... Um, and not all cases can you see that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Correct. Right. Well, and it's important to find the source of the mold, right? Like you want to find why there is mold or why there is a water stain and see then how bad the extent of the damage is and if it's salvageable or not. Hopefully it's just something super simple like uh, the P-trap under a sink or, you know, maybe um, maybe even a, um, a bath overflow from a unit upstairs. You can often see these, these things in, in a... Um, in a downstairs unit from an upstairs problem, uh, or you might even see it around a light fixture from a roof. Uh, there's all kinds of ways, but you got to fix that first, clearly. Uh, but um, mold isn't necessarily a death sentence, you know, by any stretch of the means. You, mm -hmm. you know, it, there's mold remediation. It's done all the time. Uh, you do have to cut out all the drywall and take all the, the insulation and all that kind of stuff and let it dry out uh, but and, and then treat it. But uh, it, at the end of the day, it's there's nothing wrong. But to your point earlier, if if you're buying in an area that's going to flood again, you you know you, you you're gonna you're gonna fix it, and might, you may have a problem again. Where I where I grew up in an area called um, Everett, Washington, we had all these rivers um, all around this area uh, called the like in Snohomish and Snohomish County and all that. And every time the we had really really big snow. That, and that we would have the, what we called the spring runoff. It would flood the rivers and the rivers would go over their banks and then would flood into, you know, the respective areas. Uh, water does its thing. So, you know, just, just understand all that can be a problem. Yeah. And you don't, and you know, you don't want to pay for the mold remediation if it's already there. That's why it's important you want to catch it. Right. Um, the fourth thing is seeing a lot of houses for sale in a certain area or neighborhood should be a red flag to you on some level. Yep. So you want to do the best way to find this out is to talk to the neighbors that are selling, neighbors that aren't selling, probably not your seller because they're not going to tell you, but the neighbors will tell you of what's going on. So I was just uh, when I was looking to buy a home a few months ago, um, there was a bunch of, of homes for sale, right? So come to find out their land lease, which was locked for 100 years, but it had an inflation clause. Oh. So the land leases were going way up, and that's why there were so many units selling. So it was kind of good to know to talk to people um, to find that kind of information out. Because the, the realtor will tell you, well, it's locked in, it's a set price, and in the fine print, there's the inflation clause. Yeah. And there's lots of, lots of things that can happen here. There's redevelopment, there's freeways, you know, there's, there, there are tons of things that can, you know, warrant people, you know, moving. And, and to your point, you, you gotta, you gotta look at what happens is it's, it's in clusters, right? Mm -hmm. So, 
you'll see, yeah. you know, but that's a really, really good point. Just look for where there are clusters of people moving and, and then find out why. You might not always get the, the, the true story from uh, a realtor, but you might. Yes. But if they may not even know. Or even if the house has switched hands multiple times, you know, in a few years, like the one across the street from my parents, you know, that's a red flag, too. Why is somebody keeping it for two years and then selling it and then again and again? Right. Number five is fogged up windows. Yeah. One of your pet peeves. It is. Well, you know, windows are expensive, right? And um, tenants tend to complain a lot about windows um, because they let water in or they let, you know, snow in or they let wind in, heat in, all, all the things. And so if they're fogging, that probably means that the seals are broken and you're going to have issues with that. It can be. Yeah. That, you know, one of the things that I found is that there's a lot of companies around, like specifically utility companies that will actually replace windows as part of an energy conservation plan. So, you know, it's true. You know, these old, call them single, they're single pane, double pane, you know, there's probably even triple pane. Uh, you would never want to put a triple pane, let's say, into a rental, but there are different kinds of windows, different kinds of doors, different kinds of seals. Some are wood, some are vinyl, some are metal. And so, you know, all that stuff makes a difference. And if, if you're um, renovating, you might want to take a look at some of those because you can you can get rebates. At, sometimes you can, we've even done it where you can get them for free, where they go and they replace all the windows because you're, you're reducing the energy costs. And, you know, because windows are a big source of energy loss. Yes. So when you see that fogging, you know, that's where my head goes is the energy loss. Yeah. And windows can be expensive to fix too. And it's not something a seller's probably going to fix for you. You just have to know going in if that's something you're going to have to replace. Yeah. And it could be a nice upgrade. The seller might not know. You might find it out. And I would just keep that in your back pocket, um, you know, and, um, you know, do it as part of the renovation. Yep. Number six would be fresh paint, but only on one wall. A very specific. Specifically put fresh paint. <laughs> so why why do you hate this? Well, it could be a couple things. You know, one, maybe, you know, their kid or something painted their wall hot pink and they're trying to cover it up and that would be fine. But it could be water damage. You know, it could be something that they're trying to hide. So it's not a deal breaker, but it's something you kind of want to look into a little bit. Yeah. I find it a lot of times on ceilings too. Like you got to take a look. Is you the, the you know, I usually hate the difference between, you know, flat paint, semi-gloss or gloss, let's say, but sometimes you can see, especially, um, you know, like on those old ceilings, maybe a popcorn ceiling or even on a wall. In fact, when we bought uh, that rental for that my son's living in, Kyle, there was a bedroom, if you remember, that had this exact problem mm-hmm. where one one wall was painted. And if you look down in the bottom, you could see it was also bubbling up and it was, it was a result of a, of a roof problem that was leaking in that corner. It was coming down. Uh, we identified it, the seller, we, we had it, uh, uh, a hold back, you know, I ended up fixing it myself, but I got a hold back from the seller as a result of that. This happens a lot. If some, if, if a realtor is going to come in and prepare a house for sale, they're going to see this and they're going to have that fixed, mm-hmm. you know? Now, they might not have fixed, in this case, they didn't fix, of course, the roof, but they fixed the, the, the wall, which is kind of your point. Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, the seventh thing that you need to look out for is certain kinds of bugs in the home. Oh, this is Daniel's, the, the bugs. He it's hates, oh my the God. The bugs, oh my God. We had, 
Well, you have bugs in a house sometimes, right? Like we had a roach issue like last year. I killed flooding, and then we had like the sewer roaches come in, and I killed two scorpions in the last month. The house. I I didn't tell you because I know you'd freak out. Okay, you should tell me so I can let our pest control guy know. <laughs> well, now I got to let him know. But if I was saying before. You know, certain things like termites, as long as they're not everywhere, is not as big of a deal, right? But there are things that are a big deal. So, like, when I moved into my home, I had two wasp nests, and I didn't really know anything about wasp nests, but they're not that bad because they don't infiltrate the walls. But honeybees, on the other hand, honeybees are tough, really bad because their honey gets into your walls and does a ton of damage. Yeah. Um, so when the beekeeper came over, whoever, the exterminator, he was relieved that it was wasps and not honeybees. So that's kind of one you have to be careful for, obviously, like bed bugs and things like that. But those are also birds. Yeah, remember that woodpecker? Like, <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, woodpecker went yeah. through damage on the top of the house. And uh, I had uh, uh, rats in my uh, underneath in my uh, hot tub outside, but down in where the motor was because it was warm. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So all these things, you know. We have so many animals in our house. We have bobcats. We have javelinas, which are wild pigs. We have everything you can imagine. I know. know. Coyotes. Two days ago, the javelinas, which are basically a wild pig, ripped out all my flowers in the front. It was all over the front in front of the door. We've had a bobcat sitting right in front of our front door. I know. Well, so my friend was leaving. She was uh, at our house the other night and the coyotes start howling and she starts running to her car like they're going to eat her. <laughs> but I wouldn't call those bugs, but, no. um, you know, and they, they, they run away. They're, 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 they're harmless. You just have to make sure whatever's infesting that you easily can get it out and easily can remedy the damage um, or the seller can pay for it or whatever. Yeah. And what I do here, guys, is, you know, there's nothing wrong with nests or things like that. You just have to make sure that a pest control company comes in, does a thorough inspection, gives you a report, uh, you know, and they may, this may or may not be included with your home inspection. You know, they might not see everything. So, yep. And then the eighth thing is asbestos. So um, many of you know what that is. It's in the walls. If your home was built before 1980, if it's going to be in there, it's going to need to be, you know, enclosed or encapsulated. So you definitely want this to is know a, that that's a okay. big one. I have a fair amount of experience around that. So in in the old days, some of that old tile, you know, it doesn't have to be in the walls. The, there's uh, some of the old tiles made out of asbestos. Um, old pipes, old boilers are usually wrapped in asbestos. It was used for like insulation. And so the there, this you could have a financing issue here as well because there's a lot of lenders that won't finance if there's asbestos. So you're going to really want to check on this. You're, you, you know, anything that was built, which is a lot of stuff, like in an old town. I remember we had one in uh, Seattle, one in Portland, where you had a boiler, you know, the old boiler room that provided heat and hot water for the whole uh, property. 
Well, obviously massive asbestos, uh, you know, uh, and, and to remediate it is super expensive. These guys come around in hazmat suits, you know, like, like when we got COVID in Belize where that lady came in, you know, it slips up like out of ET. Um, you know, they walk in with these hazmat, it's a, it's a big deal. Well, asbestos is very dangerous the, to breathe. It is, it's bad. And the minute you, you, you break it up and I, you put encapsulate and then it, it, it actually is in the air, just like dust and you can breathe it in your lungs. It's not good for you. So would you pass on a property that had asbestos? I might. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, it's a big deal. It's there's the, when you do a, when you do due diligence, we do what's called a phase one environmental. And, and that typically identifies this plus a bunch of other things. And uh, if, if you actually, if they find asbestos, then you go to what's called phase two, possibly even phase three, which is, you know, the remediation piece. So um, on a commercial property specifically, the, the, this could be a problem. However, there are ways around it. There are ways to fix it. There are, ton, you know, a lot of the stuff's been remediated at this point, but um, it's been a big deal. And it's houses built before 1980, right? I can't remember uh, exactly the date, but just know that you need to have somebody look and check that box. Yeah, if you don't have a newer home. So we're going to jump into some of our questions. Make sure you sign up at kenmacroy.com forward slash join dash now. Our membership is $30 a month. You can ask Ken questions. We have happy hours, lunch and learns, webinars, very informative and a great community. So, um. Alexia is asking, what are some ideas to offset the cost of our vacation home? Other than Airbnb is I don't want people in and out every few days. Yeah, that's a tough one. So it depends on where it is and what you get. You know, if you have storage, you could could do that. I have friends that own homes in second places, like I'm talking about Montana or Idaho or Utah. And they store boats. They, in fact, uh, even our friend Rick, you know, he had a Ferrari and a and a and a Jeep, I think. And he wanted he he, he stored it in my garage when I was gone. He paid for that. Um, you, you know, so there's there's obviously that. If it's on a lake, there's a ton of a ton of ways to monetize that. Um, you, you know, like what uh, are some ways on a lake? Well. For for my standpoint, remember we had the the pontoon boat, the jet skis. We had the you know the speed boats. You know, depending on the size of your dock, I have plenty of friends um, on our lake that um, you know they have two or three or four spaces, like Chuck, for example. And um, you, you know, I would work. I pay five grand a year for um, a um, uh, uh, for a second dock up you know up north on the lake. So, you know, it's not unusual. And as you know, we've got tons of people trying to buy the one we have out, uh, in town. Right. So, you know, I think those docks are 250 right now, 250, 300 for our slip. So, you know, and so I rent actually those guys across from me on both sides. We got uh, there's six jet skis, um, you know, uh, from from those two guys, that you know, Chad and, and Bill. Um, so, you know, there are ways to do that. Uh, uh, obviously... The other thing is you could build an ADU, mm-hmm. um, which I've seen a lot of people do. Uh, if you have a nice garage, you can build something over that. Uh, and that's also nice, too, because you can have somebody kind of watch the house when you're gone. As an example, if you don't want anybody in the house. The other thing, uh, you don't have to run it through Airbnb. Airbnb can be goofy. You can set your parameters. Mm-hmm. So like your friend, Jess, they had... Um, but they had a lady in there for how long? A few months. Yeah. And she was paying like 
nine hundred a day or something. Uh, yeah, she was paying a lot. I, don't uh, I can't remember today. exactly. It was a lot. It was in Scottsdale. Uh, you may or may not want that, but that was an insurance-related issue. So sometimes people have, you know, fires or floods or, you know, whatever it is, and they just don't want to, you know, there's nothing to rent. So if you put it out there at a high price for a certain period of time, you just never know. Yeah, you could do like 30-day minimums, you know, so you're not having people in and out all the time. Even night. And yeah, you can even do 90. And And the other thing is you could find people, you know, if you just use your own networking group, that might want to rent. Like I know our friends, Michelle and TK, they rent the same house in California every year for a couple months. The guy loves them, you know? Yep. And so, and they even leave some of their stuff in the garage and that way they don't have to lug it back and forth. So if you found, you know, two or three people like that, that wanted to use the place when you're not using it, that you trust, it's not the same as doing Airbnb and having people in yeah. and all that stuff. So. The house we got in Manhattan Beach, mm-hmm. that was, it was a thousand dollars a day. Yeah. Um, spectacular. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we left our stuff there and, you know, it's, it, you know, so th- that is the truth. If you find two or three couples or even one, mm-hmm. um, you, you know, that want to come there year over year, whether it's summer or winter or whatever it is, you'd be surprised. Yeah. You could just market that on some Facebook groups, you know, just have them put a good deposit down and then, yeah, they can kind of rent it though, almost like a timeshare that you're running. Like these are your months. These are when you can have it. This is where I'm going to have it. And I think that would be a great way to make some extra money. In fact, we were looking at a house up in Coeur d'Alene. I was looking at buying another one. Actually, we sold ours. And remember the one on the river there? Mm-hmm. Um, it was available except for two months in the summer. Yeah. So but that was when we wanted to be. Yeah, that's the thought we wanted it. So we, <laughs> had, we had to pass. But, you know, it's out there. Yeah. Like, yes, you know, they're going to rent that thing for, you know, 20 plus a month. And uh, they probably have already. Yeah. Well, it's just a way to make extra money. You're not really trying to necessarily break even or make money. You're just trying to offset your cost a little but, bit. But you get a screen who they are. Yeah. That's the point. Um, Nathan is asking from the inner circle, we are looking to buy a second home in California, but it seems cheaper to rent. However, it's annoying to only rent and take our stuff back and forth. What we yeah, can that's do. That's a good point. I like his last part. What well, we you know, well, so we've looked at this, right? I mean, a lot. Obviously, we just talked about Manhattan Beach. You know, the home that we were renting, it was, what, 10, 12 million bucks, I think. And, you know, and the property tax bill, I remember I looked at it, it was like 1.1 or something. So it was like the property tax bill was, a, was, um, was it 10? That no, was it. It was yeah, the property. It was cheaper. The property tax was more expensive than Pro- the rent. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So you know, so you start looking at these things, and and you could be right. You know, if you bought, if somebody bought something years ago, of course they're not going to have that scenario. Uh, but right now, in the areas that we've found, that we haven't found it feasible to 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 buy anything there, even though I would love to. You know, I actually was just looking this last weekend in Coronado, California, Coronado Island, you know, and there's some gorgeous houses, you know, two, three, four, five million bucks, just, you know, within a block of the beach. And, uh, but you can rent them for 20. So luckily. What can do? Because Ken doesn't know. Like sometimes you just want stuff and you just get it. I do. I know. I know. I've had lots of second homes in my life. Right now I'm down to just one. Because we have Airbnb and it's convenient. Yeah. So I, you know, Danielle and I have a wrestling match over this all the time. She's <laughs> clearly winning. But um, I do like to be able to load up all the stuff and have something permanent. 
One thing you might want to consider is just renting the house. My buddy does this, Scott, in uh, Manhattan Beach. Yep. He rents a really nice home there for uh, 10 grand a month for for 12 months. Yep. So he pays 120 grand for rent, which seems crazy, but then he... Um, but it's less than tax. He leaves all his stuff there, leaves a the car there, flies into LAX and it's a, you know, 15 minute Uber. So, um, you know, so there are ways around that, you know, you know, so anyway, good luck. Amber is asking from the inner circle, the tenants of my rental have children and it's a constant issue with the neighbors of the building because they are loud. What can I do about this? Not a lot. You know, they're yeah. protected, unfortunately, or fortunately, I should say they're protected. Familial status became a law like in the 80s, I think. You probably can talk to them about it. Yeah, so for sure. Let them know, Depending you know, hey, the neighbors yeah. are complaining. Just the. A hundred percent. Yeah. You, you didn't have, you do need to have that conversation with them. If they're upstairs, you know, that could be a problem. Uh, if they're, you know, just, you know, if they're running, running through the property, uh, you know, ripping trees down and, you know, you know and, and creating damage, it's another one. So there are ways to manage this. There are, you know, people, you know, I've had this issue with like an upstairs unit with the dog, you know, like my tenants have been complaining, hey, I can hear the dog, I can hear the footsteps, I can hear them, they throw the ball. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like one of those things like you live in an apartment and that's just part of living in an apartment yeah. that you have to deal with. Yeah. And it does stink, you know, because your tenants are upset or your tenant, your your tenants are actually making other people upset. But at the end of the day, like, you're just going to hear stuff through the wall. So it's worth a conversation, but it is kind of what it is. Depending on what it is. It, it yeah. could be that uh, they're just out of control and the, you know, the parents need to handle it. Yeah. It's possible. It's possible. But it, with anything, it's just, it's a neat, it's a neighbor, neighbor issue. And I always ask my, um, you know, I always ask my tenants when they're complaining about somebody else because they always call me. I need you to call the HOA because this person's being loud. And I'm like, well, have you knocked on the door and said anything to them? Well, no. Why don't you just take and it I'm both? Like, okay, I don't, we start there. Or like, this person always has their dog pooping and it's driving me nuts, like in right in front of my, have you talked to them? Well, no. Well, why don't we just start there before we escalate this to the HOA? Like, I know like a lot of these younger people, they live behind their phones. They don't want to have an interaction. But a lot of times the person then feels bad and then is cognizant of those things. Yeah. So, yeah, nobody wants to handle anything. I didn't call the HOA, escalate, and take it all the way to the top and have someone else do it over something silly. Um, Doris is asking, I'm so afraid to have pets in my rental, but I have a property sitting empty and I think it would help me. And I think it would help me if I got over the fear. Yeah. So what should I do? Well, first of all, there's go online. There's a bunch of pet agreements and, you know, just go snag one. If we've got one on KenMacroy.com as well, you can go download. But, you know, you should have some breed restrictions and some weight restrictions. If I were you, um, you can charge a pet rent and you can charge a pet deposit. So, and then the last thing is, you know, if you have carpet, that could be an issue. Uh, if you have like tile or, or let's say some kind of a hardwood or even the faux hardwood, you're probably going to be golden. But, um, you know, we've embraced pets as a company and we've done really well with it. You know, there's most, most people like both of us are dog people mm -hmm. and if we had to rent, we, you know, we would find somebody that allowed it and uh, we would pay for that. You know, you have no idea how much money we pay for our pets, right? 
Yeah. And and most people have pets. You know, when I look at my rentals, I have five and there's only one person that doesn't have a pet. Yeah. So it's like, you know, if I, you know, say no, then I'm turning away all those people and, they, and they're great tenants. And they, they expect to pay more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there is a pet rent that we apply. So, you know, just know that, you know, yeah, it's like an extra $50 a month yep. to pet. And I do a $500 refundable, but a lot of people do it non-refundable, yeah. but I do it refundable because if there's no additional damage and I haven't actually had any knock on wood so far, but you know, you have that extra money for whatever cleaning or thing you need to yeah, do. Yeah. So I, I would embrace it. And, you know, it sounds like you're a very particular owner, which is completely fine, but you know, it is a rental. It can be painted, things to be fixed, uh, especially if the tenant's paying it. So yeah. And look at, your, look at your tenant. I mean, you know, you never know, but look at your tenant too. You know, if they have a good credit score and a good job, like like most people aren't going to let their dog pee all over the house and just leave it and not really care, you know? So if you're checking all the other things, typically, you know, I mean, it can go sideways, especially puppy or something like that. But like, typically people don't want to live in a house that smells like dog pee either. Right, right. So yeah, and that's a good point. If if it's a condo and upstairs, you might want to reconsider. But if it's a, if it's a home with a yard or downstairs with, uh, you know, and they have, a, it's a family and um, you, you know, there's somebody around, it's going to be a different experience. It'd be fine. And you want to look to like, like kind of saying the size, right? Like I have a lot of condos without yards and those people tend to have like little dogs, like, you know, little five to 10, 12 pound dogs, right? If somebody wanted to move into one of those condos and they had like an 80 pound dog, I probably don't want the dog in there because there's not enough space for it. So it's going to do more damage because it's going to be trapped. So, but on my houses with a yard, you know, we have a guy that has a golden retriever, you know what I mean? So it just, you kind of, I mean, you can discriminate on pets. So you can be picky for what kind of pets you want to have in your unit or not. Yep. Just, yeah. And again, just take a look at that. I, I, you had a scenario, I think, where the, the person had two or three. Yeah. I have a guy that has three small dogs. And the reason that he's renting my place is because nobody, everyone said, nope, two dogs is the max, but, but his dogs are like five pounds. So. To me, I'm like, okay, you have three five-pound dogs. It's not any really different than having like one yeah. medium-sized dog. So, not to mention the fact, where is he going to move? Right, exactly. Next. He just renewed, right? Because right. he can't That's move anywhere. You got to think of that too. Yeah, like if uh, you know, Daniel's been over there plenty of times. There's mm-hmm. zero damage. Right, the guy's awesome. The place is clean. Mm-hmm. Got three small dogs, and where what are his choices? Right, to correct. move. There's not many, so you you, you yeah. have a built-in tenant for a while. Yeah. And, and, you know, just because, you know, you have this box and it's two dogs is your limit. And and I get it because I wouldn't want three, you know, 40 pound dogs running around that unit. But, you know, when they're little, you you just got to kind of use your own common sense and your own what you're comfortable with. But with you, because this is new for you, I would start with one small dog. Yeah. And just see how it goes. I wouldn't do anything else. So um, one at a time. Um, Pete from Inner Circle has a question. It's a van life question. So Ken and I did a van life road trip over the summer. For those that don't know, spent a month and a half in a van. Might be this might be a better one. And she's he's asking, what was each of your biggest van life struggles? I had none. Yes, you did. What were they? You hated um, taking the bikes down. You hated changing the toilet lines. I actually didn't hate it. You hated that yeah. that I would sleep in sometimes. Here's all I, Here's all I hated. I hated that Danielle hated it. <laughs> she, so I said, uh, if it was bad life for me, it was 100%, let's say, with her. 
it was 150%. <laughs> so my, my workload went up by 50% because Daniil didn't like it. Um, there, there were, for me, it was, it was space. It was just, uh, Daniil had to take everything that we actually owned from our home and put it in this little van. I had a, I had a one foot by one foot area for everything and she had the rest. I think my biggest complaint. She, she brought a stepper from our fitness center, a stepper, four feet with all the. Well, I was going to get to that because my biggest struggle was I didn't have a gym. So all I had was my stepper. And I'm glad that I brought it, even though Ken threatened to leave it at multiple RV parks around the country. But I'm glad I had it. And but I wish I had a stepper, a juicer, a blender and a kettle, a kettle, a huge electric cooler. Oh, yeah. What else? It was an extra fridge. Oh, I for all my fruits and vegetables to be juiced. She used the fridge plus the electric cooler. And I had once again, like a six inch by six inch space. In the refrigerator. Anyways, Pete, it was so great. It was amazing. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. that's the end of our show for today. I hope you guys have a great week. And make sure to join the inner circle, kenmackroy.com forward slash join dash now. See you guys. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of the Real Estate Strategies Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and let us know what you thought of today's episode. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Any information or advice available on this podcast is intended for educational and general guidance only. Ken McElroy and KenMcElroy.com LLC shall not be liable for any direct, incidental, consequential, indirect, or punitive damages arising out of the access to or use of any of the content available on this podcast. Consult a financial advisor or other wealth management professional before you make an investment of any kind. Although Ken McElroy and his affiliates take all reasonable care to ensure the contents of this podcast are accurate and up-to-date, all information contained on it is provided as is. Ken McElroy makes no warranties or representations of any kind concerning the accuracy or suitability of the information contained on this podcast. Any links to other websites are provided only as a convenience and Macquarie.com LLC encourages you to read the privacy statements of any third-party websites.